Hello, this is Luke Bajarski, Research Director at Skift, uh, coming to you live from Skift Studios in New York City to bring you the next episode of Skift's special subscriber screencast analyst sessions uh, for subscribers only. So this is a very special day. We have a very full house from our team here, ready to debate the current state and potential future of the vacation rental industry. Um, so we're gonna be we're gonna be talking a lot about what's happening in the space. There's so much buzz about Airbnb, 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 Brian Chesky, <laughs> experiences. Everyone is talking about every, what's happening with that company. But what many people don't realize is that there's a lot going on in the space that's 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 that goes beyond Airbnb. Um, so in our most recent research report, we entitled uh, entitled the state of the global vacation market. We identified what we call three waves of consolidation or the lack thereof now taking place in the vacation rental tech space. Um, so today we have uh, an all-star cast here, a, a crew of senior analysts and editors from our team. We have Jared Ween, senior research analyst, uh, Dave Montali uh, dialing in from our Berlin office. We have Deanna Ting, who's our senior hospitality editor, and also Sean O'Neill, who's our travel tech editor, ready to talk about all the issues that are impacting the market. So thanks for thanks for joining us, guys. Yeah, great to be here. Yeah, same. Fantastic. Um, so I guess, you know, let's start with the basics a little bit because there's there's just so much talk about vacation rentals these days. People are calling it a gold rush. They're calling it, uh, you know, everything, you know, there's huge, huge hype around what's happening. But ultimately, there's a big uh, distinction between the different types of home and apartment rentals that are out uh, at, on the market these days. Um, you know, everybody's freaking out about Airbnb and the threat to those traditional hotels. Deanna, what do you think? Um, just in terms of the the types of inventory out there, what are you what are you what are you seeing? Yeah. Um. So you know, if you talk to most major hotel companies, they'll say, you know, Airbnb not really a threat. We're we're fine. We're doing fine. You know, it's not not a problem. Um, they often say that Airbnb is sort of like. The, the type of person who uses Airbnb, they're using it for very specific reasons or they're staying longer or they're using it for vacation rental type properties. Um, and, you know, that that's true in some cases. Uh, Airbnb really, like, you know, touts its strength in, like, certain areas. Um, but surprisingly, and I think a lot of people don't know this, it's like Airbnb isn't necessarily the leader in vacation rentals at this moment. Maybe they're the leader in terms of the number of short-term rental listings worldwide, but you know they're not always necessarily thought of as like the go-to platform for vacation rentals. Um, you know, you've got other big players like VRBO, HomeAway. Um, and the fact is that vacation rentals have been around for a really long time, um, you know, even longer than Airbnb itself. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's different. I think it's interesting because some hotel companies are actively very engaged in this space. Like, uh, like Wyndham, for instance, has a really huge global network of vacation rentals all around the world. Um, but as of late, like in the past few months, there's been an intense amount of interest in vacation rentals from the hospitality side, primarily because of Airbnb's acquisition of luxury retreats and then also Accor announcing its intent to buy travel keys. There's, yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff that we'll talk about 
there in a little bit. So it's really, is it, you know, I guess the question is whether or not it's an apples to apples comparison, right? Yeah, it's hard to say. Um, and the problem is, you know, one report will come out and then another report will come out and every report <laughs> says something, you know, different more or less. And I know that in my, um, you know, my experiences with covering Airbnb, it's really hard to always know or to trust the source material or the data that's being um, released. Um, you know, like an STR report came out a couple of months ago that used actual Airbnb data. Um, and it basically said, you know, hotels, don't worry about it, guys. Like, you know, we're fine. Like, we're doing great. Um, if there's softness in certain markets, it's only because there's increased supply. So, you know, Airbnb is cool. And, you know, Airbnb gave us this data. So trust us, it's it's all, it's all legit. Right. Um, but, you know, there have been instances like, you know, widely reported where Airbnb has sort of, you know, in some ways, you know, yeah. presented data that may not necessarily be the the accurate <laughs> or, you know, full representation of data that, that really exists. And then another report came out, like, from Morgan Stanley that said, like, no, Airbnb is, like, a major threat. Like, be, be scared, hotels. Like, you know, they're coming for you. Um, right. So I don't yeah, know. The, you know, some of, the, some of the issues that we definitely had in a couple of the reports that we've done to understand what the market looks like from an inventory perspective and bookings perspective is, you know, impacted by the fact that there's so many different types of property rentals out there. You have the kind of the, you know, the obviously the professionally managed second homes, which are the vacation rentals, which are what we'll be talking about today. But then Airbnb with this kind of, let's say, do it yourself or kind of weekend warrior urban renter or more focused on the urban environment, right. right? It's so difficult to understand, you know, what that market actually looks like. I think we're getting close and, you know, we're definitely on top of that, um, you know, but the, just in terms of the landscape, it's, 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 it's very interesting what we're seeing. And, you know, obviously Airbnb kind of came on as this sharing economy model, uh, you know, following the, the likes of, oh, what was that, what was that couchsurfing.com mm -hmm. kind of platform, right? With the, you know, the, the sharing economy and all that stuff. But, you know, as we'll talk about here in a little bit, how Airbnb is also moving into a different direction in terms of luxury and et cetera. Okay, well, so, you know, we're talking about the inventory landscape. Um, and here specifically, when we're talking about vacation rentals, some of the some of the figures that we've come up with, that we've talked to from the executives from, you know, various groups kind of look at the European and the U.S. market as around in terms of properties, in terms of total inventory at between five to six million uh, professionally managed properties across the U.S. and Europe, um, which sounds like a lot. But let's think about that in the broader landscape in terms of the, the the supply and how fragmented it is and the management companies that are involved here um dave what do you think about this figure here we have you know there's there's a lot going on here Can you talk a little bit about that yeah definitely i think it's really interesting even if you compare it to airbnb you know airbnb claims they have three million listings worldwide so 5.6 does seem quite extensive, but I also think um, it's professionally managed and the majority is still within smaller companies which manage from 10 to 20 properties. So it's really spread out. It's not that they're all on one platform or managed by one 
large company, even Wyndham Vacation Rental, which is the kind of the largest professional manager um, property management company. They have roughly 100,000 properties just shortly, slightly more. So I, I think it's a, it's, it's, it's a pretty big market and companies are trying to kind of get a larger share of it and take over the small individual who's currently owning the business in a way. So when we talk about individual groups, I mean, Wyndham is the big standout, 112,000 properties. Yep. But still, if you think about the 5.6 million that are potentially out there just in the U.S. and Europe alone, where's what's going on with all the other, you know, the rent, rental spaces, uh, rental prof- professionally managed rentals, who's managing them, who's, you know, where they market those properties is a different story. But yeah. in terms of the you know fragmented supply and who owns that supply from a from a management perspective is very st- very much still up in the air. Um, Absolutely, like Deanna mentioned, you know, uh, vacation rentals is uh, way older than Airbnb and the sharing economy. So I think a lot of uh, properties are still in that traditional management space. Where, for example, on Zurt, an island in Germany, you'll have five companies who do property management, and they each have thirty. Uh, homes and it just it's always run like that and uh, I think it's still working like that you know I think the transition is slowly starting with these large companies aggregating more inventory but it seems like uh, the supply is absolutely still owned by the by the smaller companies right 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 and we're talking about smaller companies so we're talking about like the mom and pop kind of property rental management group working out of, let's say, you know, um, know, Orlando or something, right. That has 10 or 15 properties under management, but then they'll, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll run that space for the owner and use different platforms to promote those places. So different marketplaces, right? No, absolutely. I mean, even if you look at Vacasa, for example, I think they're the second largest, uh, property management company. And they're actively acquiring these smaller companies, you know. So it, it really goes to show that the small companies still have all of the inventory. Right. Exactly. And we'll look at a list of the the, the, the more recent acquisitions that Vacasa has gone through uh, a little bit later in the in the show here. But marketplaces, obviously, so, we're, you know, we, we need to distinguish between the vacation rental property management groups and the marketplaces some kind of fu- function as both Vacasa, for example, uh, has that uh, consumer touch point, has that website where you can actually go and rent a Vacasa property, but the majority of their rooms get filled via these big marketplaces, right? The home- HomeAways, the Booking.coms, TripAdvisor, um, and more recently, Airbnb, as they move into the, the luxury retreat space. Uh, Deanna, I know you covered some of that um, some of that, some of that, when when luxury tr- retreats was acquired, uh, what do you think of uh, of that move there? Oh yeah, no, I think it's a it's a really smart move on their their part. Uh, not to say that before acquiring luxury tr- retreats that you couldn't stay in those types of properties before, um, you know, like those nice mansions that Airbnb likes to give to the Kardashians and whatnot. Uh, but now that they have luxury retreats, it definitely ups their game in terms of. Uh, providing really kind of curated, very high touch, high service types of experiences for for people who want to have a private home or retreat to stay in. Um, I think it's a smart move. There's higher margins for those types of properties. 
And um, yeah, it's also been rumored that Airbnb is planning to launch a very specific luxury product where retreats would be a perfect fit for that. So what do you guys think? Is luxury retreats just going to get sucked into Airbnb, into the Airbnb brand, all that inventory? Or are they just going to, you know, just absorb all that inventory? Are they going to keep that luxury retreats name? And Yeah, uh, I, yeah I mean, it's gas. Um, I know that they are sort of like they've they've said that the luxury retreats t team is remaining in place it'll they'll handle their operations out of montreal i believe where they're based um so it does seem like airbnb will sort of like retain that talent at least but you know i think it makes sense for them to sort of like try to pull in that inventory into airbnb but it seems like they'll probably kind of separate it more into like that that airbnb lux product that they eventually want to launch right. You know, so we're talking about Airbnb and how they're moving into this vacation, this luxury vacation rental space. And a lot of the stuff when we talk to uh, some of the property management groups, they weren't too keen on the way that Airbnb kind of organizes its its technology, its ability to leverage the Airbnb tech for multiple properties. Um, I don't know, Sean, what you've heard from some of the people you've been talking to about about Airbnb's ability to really ramp up the big hotels or even like the the, the bigger vacation rental groups. Yeah, it's been striking uh, as to follow up on what Deanna has said. Skift has reported this before. It was only in 2016 that they really, Airbnb started going around to conference events and saying, hey, live res, hey, red awning, hey, B2B vendor tools, we want to work with you and want to retrofit things better. Uh, Michael Endelman had been in he, uh, in the Skift offices sort of talking on this issue. So they've been slow. They very much have wanted to focus on the short-term rental and really nail that down um, prior to potential IPO. Um, I think in terms of the marketplaces overall, the context definitely in the past few years has been, uh, the game has been whoever has the most beds wins. And now in the next few years, we're moving to this, who is best at putting heads into those beds. And that's both a B2C issue, as Jared talked about, and, and, and Dennis on the last analyst call and talking about Google and all the platforms, you know, how do you convert customers? But there's also the, the B2B challenge, which is what Deanna was referring to, is like trying to get the inventory and content up on. And I think Airbnb is sort of, sort of struggling with that so far. That's really interesting. And, you know, in terms of instant bookable properties, too, I know that that's a big push that the market is going for. And Booking.com has always been a kind of a, you know, a cheerleader for instant bookable properties. They haven't really wavered on that front and all at all. And I know that just from personal experience as a former Airbnb super host, I don't know if I'm supposed to actually say that, but I was for a little while uh, renting my apartment um, before it got too big. But anyway, uh, I've noticed that lately uh, that you know, they're definitely pushing for more instant bookable properties with their inventory. Very much so. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, it makes just it's easier for them, but it's also that was also tied into sort of like the the bias and discrimination challenges that Airbnb was kind of called out on last year. So that was sort of like a, a motivating force for them to really like up the number of instant bookable properties that they have. But was it the from a tech perspective, though, in terms of the challenges of filling those beds? Is that instant bookable? Is that kind of the key, a key to that puzzle, just in terms of aligning that tech? It is. I mean, part of the problem is that 
uh, as we is sort of it gets glossed on in the report is that of all of the prop professionally managed properties, not the self-managed ones, of those about a third of them have high-tech uh, property management systems that can do the instant bookability and a lot of latest features. They have the APIs that allow that. Two-thirds of the of the tools that property managers use can't do that. Uh, and so there is a there's like a tech gap that's happening there. It's sort of like if um, a third of the machines can talk English and Airbnb and Booking.com will only talk with English speaking ones and the rest of them speak Latin, you know. And mm -hmm. so you need there's this gap that needs to translate the Latin into the English. So there's one reason why instant bookability hasn't happened is is a tech problem. Interesting. Well, let's go back to some of the big platforms, Booking.com and TripAdvisor specifically. Uh, here we have some data points in terms of you know monthly visitors and obviously eyes and traffic online is going to be key to to putting those heads in beds. Jared, what do you what do you think? I mean, Booking dot com, Airbnb. What uh, what what's next for the big online players here? Sure. I mean, one thing that you're starting to see are the big OTAs. They're pushing more of uh, alternative lodging into the traditional OTA model and into Meta Search. So. The first step we saw, you know, Expedia buy Home Away, and they've moved now. They're pushing instant bookability. They've increased the fee. They're making it more of like a true, for better or worse, depending on the user preference, but more of a corporate entity. So they've ramped up spending this year. They're spending a lot on technology, a lot on people, um, building the inventory, but. What we expect to see happen is in the next couple of years, you're going to start seeing more of that type of inventory on Expedia.com. And because it's instant bookable, as that improves, you'll get more people who say are searching for you know, lodging in New York City, and they'll not necessarily be looking for a specific hotel or, or Airbnb-type property. It's just give me the best you know, bang for my buck on a New York City rental for the weekend. And then for Booking.com, which you know is the you know, obviously the biggest hotel OTA and continues to dominate the space, they've pushed away from having Villas.com as a separate entity, and they're starting to push in that type of inventory on the Booking.com platform. And then obviously the the meta search sites, which these guys own, you know, technically you know they're they're operationally independent, but they're still housed within the OTAs and they're kind of doing the same strategy where we've seen, you know, Kayak and Trivago both, you know, it's been very early days and we've spoken to management there and they said it on earnings calls where they basically have said, you know, if it gets enough interest in MetaSearch for alternative lodgings, they will be there, um, which is interesting because we have, you know, a company say, which I think we'll talk about later, like a tripping.com that specializes in MetaSearch where you know, right now they're the leader in the space, but this, if the space gets really attractive, all of a sudden you're gonna have to compete with Trivago and Kayak and the pockets of booking, and, I'm sorry, pockets of Priceline and uh, Expedia. Right, yeah, and the, the you know, this idea of first mover advantage, I think is interesting. Uh, it seems like Airbnb is really just kind of killing it, right, in terms of what the attention that they're getting from the media and how they're, how they're doing it just from from the outside looking in it's kind of hard to understand how priceline via booking.com and other platforms or expedia might ultimately compare uh, compete with such a strong lifestyle brand that is uh, airbnb 
But ultimately, you know, a lot of that, once we get past that inventory question, boils down to, um, you know, eyes on the screen. And we just recently, we just aside from these stats that we looked at in terms of monthly visitors and the millions, we actually looked at booking.com and they're up to close to 300 million visitors a month in terms of to their websites. And that doesn't include the, the, the app, that's just mobile web and, and desktop. So in terms of converting those, uh, you know, that mean possibly that could be a competitive advantage for obviously for booking and the Expedia's is the traffic and uh, that they get from cross-selling not only hotels and vacation rentals, but also airline and other products. Um, which could also be perhaps a key to why Airbnb might be thinking about air right as a compliment to that and maybe we can talk a little bit about that final thoughts but um if we do look at the inventory in terms of professionally managed rentals here's kind of the breakout um where we see some interesting stats coming from str saying that airbnb total portfolio is about in terms of professionally managed properties is about 1 million um, that's about a third of all of their property inventory. Um, you know, you compare that to, let's say the home away family, which seems to have a better position in that market, TripAdvisor via FlipKey, and then booking, booking.coms, uh, slowly working into that space. But I think the big thing here is location of those properties, right? Um, you know, we talk about the urban rentals versus the traditional kind of, you know, beach, golf, sun, mountain, ski resort type destinations is probably where the, the battle is kind of picking up right now, right? Yeah, definitely. And I think um, it's also important to note, too, that I know um, we have, we tend to have a lot more research and statistics on what's happening in, in the U.S. or in the Americas and um, Europe, but another big, big marketplace that we should also be paying attention to more closely um, in the coming years will, will be Asia, right. um, specifically China too. So it'll right. be interesting. Definitely. I, I think the, the one note on the chart is I think it understates Booking.com's involvement here. I, I, I would think by now it's probably more like 800,000 as we speak. It's neck and neck with FlipKey. And I think Wimdu just basically so, sold his assets to another company, Nine Flats. It, it's, it's been sort of a bust as a, uh, a company mm -hmm. uh, and it's not doing well in the conversion. So again, it's the we're moving from the phase, as I said, like from who has the most beds into who's good at converting, putting heads into those beds. And so that's where the home way or being being triple with Pfizer may really pull away. Yeah. Um, right. Well, okay. So let's talk about then consolidation in the marketplace space of the vacation rental market, right? We have, uh, you know, obviously uh, VRBO and home away that picked up all those different brands across, uh, you know, across the globe, basically, were kind of the first movers in consolidating all these different vacation rental properties. But now you have platforms like, uh, you know, Pillow and Vacasa that are also creating their own uh, kind of consu consumer platforms, right, to more probably more than anything, just to offset some of their uh, distribution costs, right? Instead of working wh whatever traffic that they can pick up from their websites. My question is whether or not we're going to see more and more of these little micro or these the property management sites that are creating their own 
kind of consumer platforms where it's like a, you know, death by a thousand cuts where you have like, you know, all the, you know, tiny little property management groups that are also going for that traffic and where they, whether they can realistically compete obviously is a question, but it's, it's kind of a, it's a weird market there, how that's shaping up, um, you know, and how that potentially gets consolidated, consolidated into these bigger brands, the VRBOs, the Vacasas, and who uh, maybe even Wyndham as well, who've picked up a few vacation, a few property management groups of late. Um, okay, great. So yeah, I mean, with all that going on in terms of consolidation, yet fragmentation in the market, uh, one question we have is around meta search and the vacation rental market. Is this really an opportunity uh, for companies like Tripping.com? Yeah, I mean, I would just say it's it's kind of this an interesting dynamic where we've, you know, we spoke to Tripping, we did some research on it. You know, it's definitely a, a pretty you know, attractive business model. That's why you have decent funding, which I guess Sean could talk more about in terms of whether that's good or bad and, and coming some of the things going on there. But from a business, you know, they started putting in more comparable fees to say a home away, which is, which to me, that's one thing that's, it's hard to reconcile where they're charging, you know, 10 to 15% is what they told us, but then they're all, that's on top of the fee that the customer you know, it was paying. So, you know, I guess it makes sense if you're a small property manager and you want to try to compete with Airbnb that you'll basically give away, you know, a large chunk of say your booking fee and your hope is you win that customer and the next time they book, they don't go to tripping.com. So it's like an acquisition strategy. Um, and then the, the big guys, you know, an Airbnb who's not really on tripping or a home away that is, but they're not going to give them very good economics. So, you know, it, it's, it's just an interesting thing where it remains to be seen if they can get enough people booking trips that way, as opposed to just going to home away Airbnb. Um, but it's, it's definitely an interesting business model. I know Sean, you know, he's talked before offline about some of the, the funding issues if you want to talk about right. that well there's the other side of the equation is how do the property owners like it because property owners are used to like a classified listings model they know what their budget is and met uh, the meta model is sort of having to give the, a lot of little you know uh, a dime here a dime there in a constant model when they may not get a payback on it and the, the owners are not as excited about that either. The, I, I think tripping has raised so much money that they have golden handcuffs on because now it's very hard for them to scale fast enough in a way to make their investors happy. There's on the small side, there's companies like all the rooms that are that are sort of nipping at their heels coming from below. And then to Deanna's point earlier, you know, is this um, is the sense of hospitality? Is there a need for a niche like this, or is is there are we moving to a blur where condo hotels and timeshares and vacation rentals and short term and whole home and hotels are all going to be sort of blended together. So do you need, what's the value add? But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit more bullish on meta search in the vacation rental space, whether or not tripping.com is going to be the one that's going to make it happen is ultimately the big question. But if you think about all of the different marketplaces that are operating out there right now, very niche markets. I mean, luxury retreats, the acquisition of Airbnb, I think is a you know testament to the fact that there's still tons of inventory out there 
that um, you know is, is still up in the air, and how do you access that inv in inventory? Uh, you know, and, and Tripping has, has has definitely laid the groundwork in terms of building those relationships with off weird little off markets and property management groups like Canada Stays and Perfect Places and love home swap and you know all these little like uh players that are act active in 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 very niche markets so uh you know what how that's all going to get shaped up is is i think is very very i think still to be debated um you know but obviously you know it's going to be very difficult to compete with um you know the, the vrbo's and the airbnb's of the world so maybe meta is going to be a way for that to happen for you know like a kayak for example or just to throw it out there. Yeah, and I guess one other thing that, you know, I don't know what the price would be if it would ever happen, but conceptually, I think you could see the same way the metas through the OTAs are rolling up traditional meta. You know, you could buy, you know, a niche meta, you know, same way Kayak now has Mamondo House within it. You know, could Kayak conceivably say, okay, I'll, I'll own tripping.com. It removes a competition. And also, it's just another way to, generate traffic back to Expedia, you know, through the same parent company or, you know, or there's a booking.com or sorry, the priceline.com, you know, do the same thing. Yeah. I mean, we did the big trip. We did the big meta search report. And one thing that we realized is that there's the easy way to do meta search and then the hard way to do the meta search. The easy way is kind of through the GDSs. Well, at least for the, for the air, uh, in hotels where you just you know plug in plug and play through the GDSs, but building those partnerships at the ground level, uh, particularly for such a fragmented market that's vacation rental space is, uh, I think, going to be very tricky from a technology perspective. I know there's one company, Red Awning, that's been doing quite a bit in that space. Um, uh, Sean covers that company quite cl clearly. Sean, what what do you think? What's, what's the take there? I mean, there's so much, so many different platforms out there, right? Yeah, there are. Um, you know, HomeAway is is one of the giants here as a platform marketplace, and they have their own sort of be basic B two B services that they offer to help property managers. But some property managers want more sophisticated tools. Uh, you you uh, and also uh, the HomeAway wants to get some of that fractured market that we've referred to before that are using um, sort of old antiquated tools and to try to. Uh, HomeAway has not really made an effort, neither is Booking.com or, or the others, to try to build tech there. So there's a layer of middleware that's that's uh, coming up. Startups like Red Awning that are trying to sort of help uh, be go between between the two. So it helps with technology and helping property managers uh, do demand management to decide. You know, uh, you know, up until now, a lot of property managers they just set and forget it once a year. They say this is going to be our peak season rate. This is going to be our off season rate. And now you could customize it based on you know what demand is in in Tahoe or in Florence at any particular time. So. Um, Red Awning is one of one of the interesting players there that has um, made made some progress technologically in order that's, uh, in order to help mm -hmm. uh, uh, the property managers there. But there's others as well. And the, the HomeAway platforms, it's the V12.net and the Escapia platforms. Yeah, right? yes, both of those. Yes. Had, has anybody heard of, just in terms of satisfaction rates among vacation rental pro the the property managers and how those platforms are shaping up? We've a lot of them are using them. I know that, but yeah, a lot of them are using them. Since uh, Expedia Inc. took took them over, they haven't been breaking out a lot of that information as much. But uh, before that, uh, it was only a 
it was only a small percentage, maybe under ten percent of the, all the property uh, property management companies and and small independent players that were using them. So they were still it was still a niche growing business. Gotcha, gotcha. And Dave, I know that you looked a lot into just kind of sussing out the differences between these some of these property management groups, and you know we looked at Wyndham and Vacasa in particular. Uh, you know, kind of the, this roll-up that's happening among the property management groups now. Uh, what, what's your take on what's happening with, you know, with, with, with Vacasa in particular? Yeah, so I, I, I think it's interesting um, how they're trying to expand, of course. I mean, Vacasa has been raising a lot of capital and has been kind of deploying that by acquiring uh, smaller companies to grow their inventory. And, um, you know, Vacasa has the interesting take, as you mentioned earlier, that trying to push through a proprietary platform as well to kind of curtail that distribution cost. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a really interesting approach. I think sometimes it gets uh, mislabeled as the industry growing, where it's actually more of the ownership of those properties changing hands. But, um, you know, Vacasa has been growing pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's... A, Seems seems as if it's working out for them, you know. Do you get a sense of how big some of these little, uh, you know, these? I don't want to say little, uh, but like these uh, these acquisitions. I mean, it seems like just one or two a month, even three a month. They're going to just going around and picking up, you know, Aeropoint vacation rentals, Miavac, and just kind of absorbing them into their into their inventory. Um, you know, are these like 10, 15 property players? Is it, you know, 50? Uh, do you get a yeah. sense of that at all? Absolutely. I think that the majority are between uh, over 20, you know, around 20 to like 40. But I've seen they've done some larger acquisitions as well. I don't recall the names right now, but uh, they have done stuff around just under 100 as well. So the size really varies, but over 100 you'd really be considered a large property management company in the industry. Right. You know, one thing that I, I found interesting was, you know, clearly Wyndham in terms of worldwide. Uh, it looks like the destination network actually is a larger chunk of the revenue for Wyndham worldwide compared to the hotels group. Yeah, I mean, Wyndham, it's really interesting. Their destination network, it's made up of um, vaca- uh, shares. As, what, what, what is the name? Uh, can't recall right Timeshares? Talking about timeshares? Exactly, timeshares, yeah. I've never been to one. That's why I was... Uh, <laughs> it's an Ameri- it. it's a US but thing, I guess. It's a US thing, maybe, yeah. So um, that that portion is made up of the timeshares and vacation rentals. But again, Wyndham as well, they've been growing through acquisition mostly. They've been acquiring a lot over here in, uh, in Europe as well. It's been a growing market for them. And uh, the, the, the majority of their income comes through their property development, actually. So their vacation ownership, which is interesting as well. And uh, by getting back to vacation rentals, they're trying as well to maximize their direct distribution. So their proprietary distribution, which I think is a big topic trying to, it's, it's like the direct booking walls in hotels pretty much. And uh, one of the most recent companies they've acquired, in fact, is Wimdu here in Germany to kind of power on that uh, proprietary distribution. Sean, did you say that Wimdu is not doing all all that great? I, I I'm I'm sorry, I I uh, I got that wrong. I got uh, Wimdu confused with another company. Oh, it's okay. Um, okay. But so Wimdu did uh, they did merge with Nine Flats? 
when yeah. when when that happened, uh, Wim Wimdu, as it was described by the acquirer at Nine Flats, was that it was not doing that well. But I didn't know about the uh, Wyndham uh, arrangement. Interesting. Yeah, it just it just happened recently. I think uh, the, the deal was cleared earlier this year. What was the recent UK uh, urban rental platform that they acquired? Wasn't there something uh, from Wyndham? Like well, they this year they apply uh, the uh, sorry last year they purchased blue chip holidays and friendly friendly rentals day Z, which are bought all uh, European based vacation rentals. Gotcha. So, Dave, what else is going on in the kind of the funding component of vacation rentals? You know, across the the context of these three kind of groups, uh, marketplaces, property management tech, and the property management groups themselves? Yeah, well, there's a lot being, uh, a lot has been going on, you know, like traditionally, most of the funding has always gone towards the online marketplaces, of course, Airbnb, and it's uh, Chinese counterparts taking up all the funding. But if you kind of exclude those big online marketplaces, you get around, I think it was a r- roughly 120 million funding last year, which was spread between property management companies like Vacasa, which raised quite a substantial amount. And uh, MetaSearch has been a big year last year as well, which they've kind of built up on the large funding they had in 2015. So it seems to be like a really trending industry. But what I find really interesting is, for instance, in uh, Europe, Accor Hotel has been kind of playing into vacation rentals. So when you look at where the capital is coming from in investments, traditionally in Europe, M&A isn't really a big practice, you know. And since uh, Sébastien Bazin took over the new CEO of Accor, um, they're moving to an asset light strategy. So these like big hotel chains are sitting on mountains of cash and they're just looking to deploy it, you know. And one fine stay, I think, was a really interesting acquisition from them. You know, 168 million, I think, something around that for a business that's losing a substantial amount of money. Obviously, it's a long-term investment, but I think, as an asset light hotel, the, the strategies aren't that different either. You know, they don't own the property. They're literally just putting their brand on it and renting it. So I think that was really interesting. And they're also actively investing. So Accor has invested in um, Square Break and Oasis Collection. And I'm not sure. I think Deanna wrote something about this. I think they're in the phase of acquiring travel keys. Yeah, so, you know, it's interesting to see, like, a hotel move in the vacation rental space. But, um, yeah, as I said, I think meta search is as well a big thing, as we said before. Searching for a vacation rental is still kind of uh, – it's it's not a challenge, but I think there's still stuff that can be done on the distribution and search part of it. And uh, what we've seen also is – Sonda, for instance, they raised uh, $10 million, and they're also following kind of the – one fine stay model where it's more of a curated uh, vacation rentals and it seems as if they're kind of trying to build a brand around it so you know following this overall curation brand in travel where you have a selection of uh, of listings rather than everything and i think uh, that's an interesting approach and honestly I, I i wouldn't be surprised if other hotels follow a core strategy you know they they have the cash they've sold their brick and mortar buildings and uh yeah i i think uh there's a lot to come still that's really interesting um you know uh 
I think I, re- I remember one of the first Airbnbs I stayed at was in Rio de Janeiro. And that's a really interesting market from a hotelier perspective, just because it, you, the, the inventory is horrible from the hotel side. So Airbnb is just uh, killing it over there. And it's, 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 it really brings a lot of value add to the user and to the traveler, in, particularly in markets like Rio. Uh, you know, and I, I just remembered that like, wow, this is like my first experience. And I was like, wow, well, what are the hotel groups are going to, going to do? And, and just thinking to myself, they better start, uh, they better start buying up, you know, individual properties. And it seems like that's what's happening right now. I would just echo, I was in Rio for the Olympics in the summer and yeah, I stayed at Airbnb and it's the same, like, uh, and as an, ex- as an experience. Uh, Deanna, do you think that hotel groups want to get into the space of actually sort of managing and, and, and providing the services. You know, uh, in London, like there's the Bermondsley Hotel is doing an experiment where they're offering the housekeeping to 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 vacation rental properties within like a mile or two of the hotel. Right. That was similar to um, this Demon, pilot right? that um, Hyatt did with One Fine Stay um, before One Fine Stay got bought by a court. Whoops. Um, but yeah, so and there were rumors that Hyatt was possibly trying to buy it as well. Um, so I think I think that they definitely have this in, in their plans, but I haven't really seen anyone kind of unlike except for a core really like pull the trigger and go for it. Um, but I think it would be very smart for them to do that. I think some are also kind of taking like baby steps toward that. Um, not really going full on into vacation rental, but trying to sort of like look at the brands and properties that they have now and try to see what they can do with those properties to really sort of appeal to the types of travelers who would want to book a vacation rental. So I, I know like uh, earlier this year, um, Marriott announced that with their newly um, added Element brand, um, which is sort of like extended stay, they wanted to try to like build certain rooms that were really flexible for very large groups. So that it's like dorm style. So you still have like your tr- kind of traditional extended stay room, but slightly smaller and attached to like a big living space. So it's like, you know, still a part of a hotel, but kind of trying to replicate some of the things that you'd find in a vacation rental. Yeah. You know, and I think, uh, I mean, obviously it was very smart for Airbnb to go after that, uh, DIY market as kind of a, a, re- a, a, a inventory generating, um, strategy. And now that they ha- own that market, now they're moving into that professional space. I think that, that with that transition, I think there's been quite a bit of I, wouldn't, I don't want to say confusion, but at least some uh, just a lack of understanding in terms of who actually stays at Airbnbs uh, these days. Is it, you know, kind of the sharing economy, a quintessential sharing economy hipster or millennial, you know, smoking cigarettes, burning, uh, you know, holes into your couches, <laughs> throwing uh, college parties, or is it? You know the responsible couple, you know, adventure. The you know the golden age traveler that's kind of you know wants to experience a new kind of new thing when it comes to accommodations. Uh, this is one of the questions that we asked uh, during uh, for our uh, big 2017 high income traveler survey, uh, where we where we uh, surveyed. 1,375 U.S. travelers all earning uh, 100,000 U.S. plus uh, asking about their travel habits. And 
we asked about their opinions and their their behavior around Airbnb specifically. And in terms of incidents, what we see was that um, 23% of those respondents actually said that they've stayed at an Airbnb at least one time, uh, with another 13% saying that they used Airbnb uh, numerous times. So in terms of incidents, Ray, we're getting up to the 30s and 40s percent 40 percentile where, uh, you know, you know, from a traveler perspective, these are all 100K plus travelers um, where obviously the market, the brand recognition is getting uh, very important, very interesting for that company. We When we asked whether or not uh, whether or not people would actually consider staying at an Airbnb apartment while traveling. Uh, we see this uh, interesting curve here where we have, you know, a strong definitely for 30, over th close to a third of the respondents uh, saying that they definitely stay at an Airbnb, over a third saying maybe. And then you have, uh, you know, a certain amount of those high income travelers basically saying that they're either probably not gonna go, definitely not gonna go, or not even sure what Airbnb is. Here, I would just point out that 5% only said, what is Airbnb? So clearly it's a, it's, it's a national phenomenon. Everybody knows the platform by now. No longer a niche market. I would also add that satisfaction rates with the Airbnb experience are also quite high. And I think that the, the company also echo that and other sources would see that, but over 90% satisfaction rate where 60% said they were very satisfied is a very compelling, compelling piece of the puzzle. In terms of preference from the Airbnb experience versus the traditional hotel experience, and this question came to those that had actually stayed in Airbnb before. Uh, we had we see that over a quarter or over three, close to three fourths of the respondents said they actually preferred the Airbnb experience over the traditional hotel experience. You know, and that's just you know capturing a moment in time for that person. So maybe they'd just gotten home from an Airbnb vacation, but uh, nevertheless, it's uh, those are some pretty pretty high numbers there. And then when we look at just the overall share in terms of uh, in, just in terms of the age distribution across the Airbnb user, we see that uh, we see that those that have actually stayed at an Airbnb tend to trend younger, um, but it's not necessarily the you know the eighteen to twenty five year olds that you might expect, where you still uh, see a good portion of the, the, those that are traveling in the older demographics or more, more mature demographics, I should say. All right, great. Well, thanks so much, everybody. And then this is just kind of the final final thoughts here. I'm just going to do a little round, go around the round the board and get uh, get any final thoughts from our participants. Dave from Berlin, you want to get you want to say say anything to to wrap up the show? Yeah, well, I, I think uh, you know it's a it's a great period for vacation rentals. They're they're sorting out uh, the whole infrastructure. It's interesting because obviously this whole movement into tech uh, for them is quite interesting to see how it plays out. But uh, I think it's ultimately will end up like in the hotels, you know, home away and uh, Booking dot com will own all the distribution, and they'll in five years time, we'll be talking about the direct booking wars between vacation rentals and the OTAs. 
Oh, wow. Okay. Sean? I'm interested in the B2B vendor front. Like, you know, the hotel industry has uh, Oracle Micros. It has uh, Disco. It has these players that have built up channel managers and, ho- and switches. And as uh, professionally managed um, uh, properties become more common as Airbnb switches from sort of an eBay style to something that's more like Amazon today where it's a lot of professional retailers using it, where are these big software company players going to get in there and provide the tech? So I'll be interested in seeing that. Interesting. Deanna? Um, yeah, yeah, no, I'm glad I could uh, participate in the chat today. Learned a lot. I think uh, the biggest takeaway for me is really that there's so much opportunity in this space, and we're definitely going to hear a lot more news about it in the coming months and years. Definitely looking forward to the to the coverage, Jared. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it's it's been great doing this, and I guess one thing I would just <laughs> I, I agree with Dave that the OTAs are going to start being you know, really important for the alternative lodging. Uh, I guess one thing I would just disagree on is the the direct booking wars because if they become important, the OTAs are going to own them. So you wouldn't really be battling against yourself if you're owning home away. I mean, you know, maybe the smaller channels, but I don't think the smaller channels will have enough clout to have a true like direct booking advertising campaign against Booking.com and Expedia. But that's just my my thought. Well, maybe let's see if uh, Chesky and team, as they uh, you know do their world tour right now, and come up with some good ways to give some of those OTAs a run for their money around flights and other uh, innovations coming from that team. Uh, we're all wondering what's going to happen in that front. Um, all right, guys. Well, thanks so much for uh, coming onto the show, and we look forward to next time. Thanks. Thank you very much. <laughs>